There's an evolution we go through as engineers when building systems. We think about the problem, we select a way to solve that problem, we test the solution, we tweak the solution, and then we productize the solution. And by productize, I mean we make it so that anyone in the organization can implement and support the solution to the systems problem that we encountered. Network automation is going through this evolution right now. Most of us have built a set of scripts or playbooks that solve some problems we have, but most of us have not productized the solution. Our automations likely save us some time and reduce human error, but they aren't the sort of things we can package up and turn the rest of the organization loose with. All we've really done is build macros. Macros are not the end game of network automation. The end game is self-service, a platform where network consumers can request the services they need and get them. And if you just went, whoa, 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 Banks, you can't let people take up network resources. That's never going to work. That is my point exactly. A network automation platform means you've built the governance, the checks and balances around what is being requested such that you know the consumer is getting what they need without being fearful they're going to blow the whole thing up. Our sponsor today is Itential. Itential offers just such a network automation platform, one that allows you to take your existing automation work and build a system around it. The system you might build yourself if you were a full-time developer or had a dev team at your disposal, but you aren't, and you don't. Chris Wade, Itential co-founder and CTO, is with us for today's discussion about building a network automation platform. So Chris, I just laid out kind of a vision of what I'm imagining a network automation platform should be. It's got a whole lot of different components and things that we're building around these scripts, which I guess I was a little mean and kind of called them macros. I thought that's all we got are scripts, but it would be great, Chris, if you could lead off the discussion by explaining the components of a platform. What are the elements that comprise a platform as opposed to a collection of scripts? So... Typically, you know, when we think about a platform, we're really talking about collaboration. When we're using a platform, it's more than I'm running my scripts on my laptop. It's really about how does my team collaborate and share network automation assets. So a lot of people today, as they write scripts, are storing them in Git. We might be running them from a network share. But when we start thinking about collaborating as a group, we really need to think about, you know, where am I storing it? How do I do version control? Maybe I need to integrate with other systems. Maybe I need some RBAC. A lot of us want to put a UI on front so somebody else can run my scripts. All these types of aspects and non-functional requirements that we really think about when we're trying to create a platform from our scripts. Now, you mentioned several things there. You said somewhere that we got to store the scripts. They got to run somewhere. You said you said RBAC and all of that. I, I'd add to that things like, like, like auditing, maybe compliance checking might be part of it. Maybe there's some element of system abstraction, Chris, where if I've got like multi-vendor network components I'm supporting out there, I might need some level of abstraction to get some things done. Maybe there's humans in the loop where I have to have approvals done that are going to bless a change before it happens. Maybe there's got to be some approval process there. And I can tell you, if I've built the script that does the thing on the network and saves me time, I don't want to build all this other stuff because all of a sudden you start thinking about that and, and the mind gets a little boggled as to how you'd actually pull that off. Yeah. Typically we ask somebody if they will share their script with the person sitting next to them, you know, to start to see how much we need to move towards a platform. 
And typically that answer is, yeah, I'll share it with the person next to me because maybe there's a password in my script or maybe I know I can only run it during certain hours or I have to swivel chair, like you say, and get some approvals from maybe a ticketing system. But if we ask, do I want to let somebody that I don't know in the organization run this, you know, especially maybe an end user, usually people recoil because the first gut instinct is I have to do all these other things to let that person run the script. And the question for the platform really is, what are all those other things? You start to make the list. I need to check this. I need to have maintenance windows. I need to make sure this person's authorized to do it. I need to make sure that it matches my change control process. I need to notify the knock. You start going through these lists. And that really helps define the attributes that we need to think about as we build a platform. So it sounds like what you're talking about is moving beyond individual scripts to a repeatable system that can touch many systems and work regardless of who is pressing the go button. Exactly. The thought is multiple years ago, we used to talk about, you know, automation as an aspirational goal. You know, now we're talking about Python and scripting. This is almost everyone we speak with. The demand of the job operating modern networks requires us to automate certain activities, whether we're standardizing the output or we just have, um, you know, higher expectations of our end users um, that are used to cloud self-serve attributes. So really yeah. the question is, what do we need to do to change how we operate networks and move from me automating my job, um, which is a very personal thing. You know, when I script things, I'm I'm making, um, you know, uh, decisions and how I do my job to be more effective, be more efficient, be more standardized. The question is ultimately, how can I uh, benefit the rest of the business and the end users who are consuming that network. Okay, so if we're talking about moving beyond individual scripts and the goal is actually to build a self-service environment, why do I, as a network engineer who have built these scripts and I'm doing my job productively and efficiently, care whether we get a, a self-service environment? So I think this uh, gets at the heart of building a platform in the first place in the sense that um, you know, we all have people opening tickets and making requests that we are swivel chairing and 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 running these scripts, as you, as you say, Drew. And the ultimate goal here is, can we offer a set of products so people can self-serve so I can free up my time to do all the other activities I want? And ultimately, you know, the business is asking for agility, cloud and cloud service features um, have a certain expectation of self-service that is flowing down to the networking teams. Um, we're dealing with more complexity. We're dealing with higher volumes. We're being asked to do same-day changes. And really, the way to satisfy all those things is to, is to drive towards a product-centric, self-service model for automation. We're saying automation, Chris. Do we actually mean orchestration or, or, or does it matter? We used to make a big deal about this is orchestration, this is automation. Maybe that, I don't know if that conversation is even that relevant anymore, but do, do you see a difference between those two terms? Yeah, some people use them interchangeably. Um, from an essential standpoint, we talk a lot of times about a maturity model for automation. And automation, as we see it, most of the time is centered on task automation. I'm making a change in the network. Um, I'm inflicting some change on my infrastructure. A lot of people will talk about automate the automation, and they mean orchestration in the sense that I'm trying to tie multiple systems together. And the level of complexity of even in a multi-vendor environment, making changes to network infrastructure versus coordinating those across my IPAM, my ticketing system, my notification system, you know, trying to coordinate those aspects, you know, we can get into it, but there's a whole host of complexity that exists as you try to orchestrate across those systems. Okay. okay, so we could be talking about either, depends on context, but yeah, we could be dealing with orchestration as well. Well, then get into what Itential offers here. We're talking about building a platform. What is the tool that we're talking about coming from Itential that's going to help me build a network automation platform? 
So we have two core products. The first one I'll talk about is Itential Automation Gateway. And as we talk about going from Python to platforms, that's really how we adopt and onboard scripts, playbooks, plans from a variety of technologies that this group is is well-versed in. So Automation Gateway is where we load those Python scripts. You could load them locally. You could load them from a Git repository. And we, quote unquote, decorate it. So we define what the attributes of your script are. And once we do that, Automation Platform reads in those, those parameters and allows us to run them from a catalog. So it's really about trying to take the best of what we've written with Python playbooks and plans onboard them to automation gateway so that we can expose them to the orchestration layer and expose them in a catalog to those end users so that other people can in a very controlled authorized way execute your scripts so okay so the gateway feels like the entry component there i'm going to load scripts into that that is going to be exposed to the rest of the world those scripts that i brought into the gateway are going to be exposed via via api uh, is that how i'm going to consume them exactly Automation Gateway generates a REST API endpoint for each of your scripts. Exactly. Okay. And so then when I'm ready to move, now that I've got my scripts and things and playbooks and uh, and Terraform plans, et cetera, whatever it is that I've built, they're in Gateway. I can consume them now. One of the tools that can consume them from Itential is the automation platform. Correct. And so automation platform integrates with API systems. So the things we've talked about before, like ticketing systems like ServiceNow, notification systems like MS Teams, those are all API enabled platforms. So what we do is we take your scripts and then in the orchestrated system in Itential Automation Platform, you can actually connect your scripts to those other systems. So instead of um, having to rewrite my scripts to onboard and integrate with all these other things, you can leave your script as is, the business logic of making your change to the network and integrate it with the rest of your IT ecosystem and then auto-generate an endpoint for that actual script, which you might consume from you know, ServiceNow or a pipeline or schedule it to be run in the future. So if I've got uh, a handful of scripts I'm putting on Automation Gateway and all of a sudden I'm turning that into a service catalog where a random end user is going to come along and be like, oh yeah, I need that click. I feel like we've left out a bunch of steps. Can we kind of fill that in? What Automation Platform gives you is it hooks into your single sign-on system. It might hook into your LDAP system. So you can say which catalog entries are allowed to be run by each user. Within the uh, workflows that tie your scripts to all those other systems, you get to maybe do some pre-checks, do some post-checks, make sure that that device is allowed to be done during a maintenance window within your change control system. We can have error handling and, and you can handle kind of all the other things, Drew, you're thinking about that like, wait a second. Before somebody can run it, I want to make sure it's the right time of day. I want to make sure this device is allowed. I want to make sure that the commands that are going to be executed fit within my validated testing. Um, All those other aspects uh, can be integrated with an automation platform as you take your script, which is how I executed my change, and ultimately turn it into a catalog item that can be run by others. I'm curious because I'm thinking about like, okay, I wrote a script to do job X, but Usually after I would run that script, then I would also go have to talk to the firewall team about getting a rule in place and make sure the load balancer did X, Y, Z, and so on. Do I also need to have all those other things scripted up to make this first script that I've written become more of a, a system or to get into the service catalog? How does how does that work? All those other dependencies. So what's powerful within the iTential platform is we do have over 250 integrations to all the types of systems you're talking about. And you know the undercurrent between modern networking is we're moving from a lot of CLI-centric devices, um, which is where a lot of the scripting dominates, 
to more programmable infrastructure. So when you start talking about your firewalls and other things, Drew, you might be working through a controller. Mm-hmm. You might be working through a programmable interface. So you get to mix your scripts with all of those other APIs that you have that are coming from systems so that you can coordinate and collaborate on the automation together. So do you need scripts for all those things? No, but the message here is that in the past, I think a lot of people have, have said you know, scripts or tools. Um, commercial products or open source. Ultimately, you know what the what the market's saying is: I need to take what I have and I need to add platforms to it. So it's really Python plus. If I don't have scripts, Chris, let's say I haven't invested a bunch into Python yet or Ansible or Terraform, whatever. Does automation platform do something for me out of the box? Yep. So Automation Gateway talks to all these devices. So if you want to use uh, our template builder to build a Jenja template of your change, and you want to use um, Automation gateway to push that template to the device without scripts. That's a standard feature of the product. There's no required scripts to use the platform. From our discussions with the market, scripting is inherently part of how we do our jobs today. (laughs) Um, Um, So we're really talking about how we can take what we got and add to it. um, Because I think the message historically has been, um, you know, to adopt a new technology, you have to basically toss it and start over. And the message really is, let's take what we got, let's add platform capabilities to it. And then over time, you might decide, you know, to transform your script into some more um, standard itential capabilities. It's interesting, though, that there's a lot that happens out of the box. Yes, I see what you're emphasizing, that I I need to be able to take what I've got, that existing investment that I'm using and comfortable with in my scripts and so on, and then put that automation framework around it, build that platform. But if I don't have a huge investment in that stuff, I can get itential and have a lot of functionality that's going to help me with network automation right out of the box, which is also interesting because that means no matter where I am on my journey, because we're all on a journey, Chris, wherever I am on my network automation journey, I can get a lot of benefit out of the package. Exactly. We have an entire ecosystem of what we call pre-builts, which are pre-built use cases that you can download directly into the kind of app store capability with an automation platform. So you have a bunch of use cases off the shelf that you can just grab and start to use. In this context of self-service, who is it that we're building a self-service environment for? Is it developers? Is it random end users? Who, who do you have in mind when you're building this platform? There's two dominant themes here. One is the broader IT community, usually served by something like a ServiceNow. Um, so taking your network changes and integrating with other IT um, aspects. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm rolling out an application. Maybe maybe I have uh, some maintenance activity. So it's really coordinating the network with the rest of IT. And those end users could be help desk users or other IT engineers. Uh, the second really is line of business. Um, and a lot of times this is most exciting in the sense that these are the actual application teams. Um, these are the people building applications and driving revenue in the sense that they are more accustomed to this type of behavior because typically they are also using cloud technologies. So a lot of those folks are running pipelines lines and other DevOps types of communities, um, but they're really looking for a set of APIs so they can consume the network as an API. Right. That that cloud-like experience so they can consume the infrastructure, even if it's on-premises infrastructure that you bolted into a rack yourself, but, but that feel to it so you can consume in that way, which again, going back to the Gateway product, that's what Gateway is giving me without me having to write an API myself. You're going to take my scripts in, and I'm going to be able to consume that script via API? 
Correct. Yeah. So using Gateway itself, you you have an API, and then because Automation Platform knows how to integrate with that API, it turns it into a draggable component within our workflow canvas. So then I can integrate your script with all the other programmable entities that you're already plugged into. So kind of a practical question here, Chris, is when am I ready for potential automation gateway and platform? There's two aspects to this. One is the technical one we talked about. And I think we've kind of established it kind of doesn't matter where you are technically in your automation journey. You can get a lot of benefit here. But is there an organizational concern where I need to be rethinking how my IT shop operates or how we interact with other teams or something for the platform to actually get used and not turn into abandonware. I've been in too many shops where we invested a lot in a tool and it just didn't get used ultimately, even though we spent the money on it. Yeah. So we've worked really hard to 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 make this super consumable. Um, automation platforms available as a SaaS service with Gateway being on-prem. It's very simple to kind of onboard your first couple use cases. And really it's, it's when somebody's going from, I'm running scripts on my laptop or I'm running scripts for my network share and I just want to collaborate with my team. That's really the moment when people start to think like I'm moving from writing scripts to collaborating on how we automate our infrastructure. And I think that's that's really the moment where people start to move from tools to platforms. You know, we're moving from EMSs to controllers, from tools to platforms. It's, it's, it's really about putting infrastructure in place so we can work together as a team. That makes sense. By team, you don't just mean I, the network engineer, and all of the other network people. You mean anyone that could be consuming that service that would be considered part of the team in this sense, right? I mean, we have a lot of customers that that simply use gateway and platform to collaborate as a team. Um, there's no requirement that uh, that we move towards self-service. Aspirationally, that's where people want to head, and we kind of have to get our stuff together before we start exposing our automations to the rest of the business, for sure. As you said, aspirationally, I mean, that's always where I've wanted to end up is how can I safely just have people not send me that routine ticket where twice a week, three times a week, you got to stand up some amount of network infrastructure for somebody to to accomplish a thing, uh, whatever that might be. Actually, we, we need to walk through some examples, Chris, and just kind of talk through some of this. I love the aspirational getting to self-service component. That's the holy grail to me. If I can get there where I have a system and here's the thing that you need all the time you ask me for via a ticket, go get it yourself and know that it's all going to be fine. All the checks and balances are in place, that it's going to be safe to do that. That's what I want. Let's say I want to use a potential automation platform for a simple task. Let's let's say turning up a port. Do this all the time, right? I got a script that does it today. Walk me through how I would use IAP to perform this task, leveraging this script that I've already built. So Ethan, you store your scripts in a Git repo or you just have it on your laptop? Oh, it could go either way. Let's say I'm doing the bad thing and it's just on my laptop. Okay. So from Automation Gateway, you would basically take your script and put it on the the same file system. Um, Gateway can also pull it directly from a Git repo. So let's say on a better day, you're storing in a Git repo. (laughs) You would pull the script in. Now, the next thing is, um, you know, what parameters get passed to your scripts? What's interesting about Python, because it's both a scripting language and a programming language, is uh, you kind of have to know how to use your script. Mm -hmm. You have to know what I'm going to pass to it. So in Automation Gateway, we have a thing called decoration because we're going to auto-generate an API for this and we're going to do some data validation to make sure I don't pass garbage into your script. So you're going to tell me if you, you know, you're going to give me a string and then maybe a number. Um, Maybe you give me the host name of the device and then you give me an integer for the port or a string for the port. So you're going to define that. Um, Within Automation Gateway, we have an easy way to just decorate that script. As soon as you load it, you auto-generate an API. So you could log into Gateway and run it yourself. 
um, you could load it into your favorite Postman collection mm-hmm. and run it from there. And now I'm going to be passing those parameters that I might have done at, you know, at the command line, uh, running the script manually. And now I'm going to do it you know, via fields in the API. Exactly. So you're going to have to authorize to do it. So now I know Ethan ran this script or Drew ran this script. If you want to put it into a, a more robust thing, then we would go up into automation platform. And all of a sudden, I would just see your script there, Ethan. So mm-hmm. since it got loaded into Gateway, I'm now going to see your script, which is uh, this port turn up. Maybe I want to do some pre-checks and post-checks. So maybe I want to do show, some show commands before and after, make sure everything looks okay after the change. Um, and then that's going to be um, put into the catalog so that now either you can run it, um, Drew can run it, somebody else on your team can run it. Um, they can schedule it. And now, you know, I'm authenticated, I'm authorized, I'm logging it, I'm um, doing all all the things um, so that you start to get more comfortable that you can start automating your script uh, off the command line. I feel like we went from, uh, you're drawing an owl, draw two circles, now draw the rest of the owl. I feel like we just had that conversation, Chris, because <laughs> we, we, we went from load the script in, we know what, to, we, we're going to do the decorations, we're going to do some sanity checks in the gateway, we're going to expose that via API, and then bam, you can throw all this other stuff around it. Okay, let's dig into all the other stuff that you can put around it. Like you said, um, uh, let's focus on the testing you said maybe you want to do some show commands before and after you actually run the script where do i put that stuff how did that get done so there's a a bunch of purpose-built apps um, in what we call automation studio uh, with an iap which allows you to to basically cater to how you want to to run these things so we have a thing where you basically enter these command templates you can enter a show command and then tell me what you expect it to be whether it's good or bad um, we can also load uh, show commands as pre and post and then just automatically diff them um, to see if if the behavior is the way you want it. So probably not enough time on the show, but there's all sorts of um, accoutrement within Automation Studio of all the things we expect you to need to do because it is a purpose-built platform for automating infrastructure. You say Automation Studio, and you mentioned uh, Canvas earlier. Are these all part and parcel of the same thing? Yep. So within automation platform, we have a component we call Automation Studio, which has template builder. It has a low code drag and drop canvas uh, where your scripts will automatically show up as well as all of the other adapters and integrations that are already uh, loaded into Automation Studio and IAP. So IAP is the, the larger platform. We have different components within the platform, some dedicated to configuration management, device management. Um, automation Studio is really focused on how do we build orchestration and automation of your infrastructure. Okay, so what I'm hearing is you've got mechanisms in place to essentially help me build a workflow around this script as opposed to just automatically launch the script. I can make sure it's part of a, I guess, more of a pipeline. Exactly. Instead of saying, hey, run script A and then run script B and run script C, which is is kind of a predominant pattern that you'll see, it's really about taking your script, which has a bunch of business logic in it about how you want to automate your infrastructure, and then wrapping all the, the other platform type of stuff around it. So if you have infrastructure in a CMDB or in a resource manager, or maybe you have um, a system that's monitoring the health of the network, Drew, we might want to tap into those things. Maybe you have a, a validated pipeline. Maybe you want to see if the device is online or offline. So, you know, you start to think about how do I integrate my script with the rest of those systems? You know, I have all these other systems. How do I start integrating them together? Because ultimately, 
we got to get the trust and confidence up if we're going to turn this over to others to run our scripts, right? And that goes back to kind of the very beginning of, yeah, I have a password in the file and I know I have to run it at two in the morning and I need to make sure the device is healthy and I have connectivity and all those things. Those are things we're doing as humans before we run our script. But when I'm going to turn it into a self-service catalog, I need to kind of codify all of those other attributes, um, a lot of which Itential has out of the box, but we also give you easy ways to build that into the system. Okay, so I feel like we're starting to fill in some of the feathers of Ethan's owl. <laughs> there we go. Here's another bit of feathers then. Chris, if I do want to expose this port turnup service that I just created, let's say, we can expose this via API and that would be a way to consume it. But if I wanted to do it in a more, uh, let's say, help desk oriented way where it's more like a form and there's a checkbox and buttons or that kind of thing, can I do that? Yep. So the guts part of the platform of technology at Itential is really around this data validation because, you know, we've dealt with NetConf Yang, we've dealt with different CLI systems. Now with REST, we're dealing with a lot of JSON. So for us, it's very important that we do data validation on input. It's not very useful for a user to fill it out and then find out three days later that they filled it out incorrectly and we have to go back to them. So when you build your script and you do that decoration, technically you're building data validation on it. And when you build your workflow, we auto-generate the input data validation. So when you go into the catalog to click on one of those buttons, it's actually dynamically generating a form with the data validation built into it. So in the most common example, people log directly into what we call operations manager mm -hmm. with an automation platform. And you get to only see um, the catalog items that you've been authorized to see, Ethan. And then you can, if you want to run it right from there, you're going to get a form to fill out. You also have the option to schedule it in the future. Um, so as the end user, you have the control of that. So I've built the automation with my script. I've turned it over to you. You know, you get to come choose when you want to run it or schedule it in the future. And then within the system that you don't see, I've put all the controls and mechanisms that gives me the confidence that I can let you run that script for me. And then I can integrate with other systems. If I've got other ticketing systems, this has come up. Uh, you mentioned that. So as a result is obtained, I could post something as a, as a result into that other system, whether that's ticketing system saying it's complete, something like that? Yeah, our experience is that people want to drive this directly from something like a ServiceNow mm -hmm. or maybe the line of business teams directly from like a GitHub action. So providing those API endpoints allows people to do that. What we found is um, when our teams ask, uh, you know, those teams to, to integrate, they get told six or nine months. <laughs> they get told it's going to be, you know, hard-coded. So what we did was we actually built um, an app in the ServiceNow ecosystem so that instead of having to build that yourself, you just click a button in the ServiceNow app exchange and, and there you go. You pointed it Itential and now based upon your login, you only get access to those forms directly in ServiceNow. We've also built similar things for GitHub Actions and we continue to build them in the target systems. We're just trying to make it very, very easy to consume these automations. Because when you go talk to those users, they're used to being in a system, right? Our IT partners are used to being in service now. That's where they're doing the rest of the work. Asking them to swivel chair sometimes is a high bar. So we're just trying to lower the bar as much as possible just to make it super easy for people to use my automations. As an engineer, I don't want you sending me an email with bespoke uh, you know, special conditions. I want you to come use the product that I've built so that I can have standardized execution, standardized data, all the, all the benefits we get from having one way of operating. Dive into the GitHub Actions for a minute there, because I'm imagining some event happens that GitHub Actions notices, and then the action is to trigger something happening in Itential? 
Yeah. So if you're an application developer and you're deploying an app and maybe you're moving a database or maybe you're moving your your web server, you might need network to go along with that, right? So maybe I need to alter a VPC. Maybe I need to alter a transit gateway. Maybe um, since ACLs came up earlier, maybe I need a security group augmentation. So that pipeline that that application team would do would kick off. So they would reference Itential in their pipeline to make a network change. So now the the network changes that I've built within Itential are now exposed for those application owners to consume as they see fit. Well, Chris, let's go to a more complex example. We, we talked about a simple example of turning up a port and you just fleshed out a lot of the, the mechanisms in place that it, it's really brought it to life in my head. I can kind of imagine all of this now, but now I want to go Let's do something harder. Um, so another routine task would be network creation. And let's say this is something I've had to do frequently over the, the decades is uh, stand up a temporary network for the quality assurance team because they're working on some testing and they, they need a network. So I got to build a VLAN form and I got to, there's all these steps to it. Uh, I, I got to deal with uh, IPv4 and V6 address space, create a layer three gateway. I got to deal with routing, uh, maybe OSPF, stand up a DHCP server, maybe. I got to deal with IPAM and probably reserve a lot of this stuff and and you know doing it all by hand is is incredibly tedious so this feels like the kind of a thing that attention would be well suited to basically do all of it for me and allow me to just publish it as a service that uh, that someone else could do i'm going to assume this is possible so assuming that it is walk me through this service i'm going to call qa network creation Great. So this is the situation where we've gone from what was fairly simple for me to put as business logic in my script to now I have a lot of interdependencies. I'm going to assume you're going to want to get your IP addresses from an IPAM system. Are there firewall changes? Do I need to check to see if I have connectivity between my segments? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Does it matter which ports I pick? Um, do you, do you, are you going to reserve them somewhere or do I just pick next available? All these yeah. types of, of thought processes need to kind of go into this. And the interesting thing is the systems that you're going to pull these things from are all standardized, right? So when I go back to potential having integrations with all of those systems, if you're using PHP IPAM or Infoblox, or if you're using, you know, kind of the standard within the industry, um, a whole different discussion is that we've seen, I think, a lot of consolidation, which makes it easier for automation because we're all kind of working with the same stuff now. We need to integrate with those systems to support this service that you're requesting. So from an potential standpoint, having access to all of those and being able to take, let's say you're still going to use some scripts instead of templates to do those things, I need to coordinate that change across a handful of systems. And what makes this generally more difficult is that we don't agree on things as an industry. So how ServiceNow CMDB model support and how Infoblox model support is different. Hmm. So now I have to think about, oh, I got to transform the data when I go from one system to the other. So maybe I go get it from Infoblox and maybe I need to pull out the port. But before I pass it to Drew's script, I might need to transform that data. And it starts to get into um, you know a situation where you think about the aspects and the functionality you need to do this. And this is really what Itential has been focused on building is making it easy to integrate, standardizing data, transforming data within systems. So it's a very, very repeatable process. And ultimately, the ingress to this workflow that executes this QA network is going to be a form, just like we talked about with the simple example. So behind the product that you just built, um, you might have some complexity. You might have to talk to multiple systems. You might need to go find these things. But once you expose that to your end user, it's the same form 
it's the same scheduler. It can be in GitHub Actions. It can be in ServiceNow. That's really the key thought process around that. So the complexity of the process isn't an issue. I need to understand what I'm building, but I can build a, well, you described it as a product. I've just built a product that's got this complexity to it with all these interdependencies. I can do that. That's the, the, the logic and the flow is there. And I guess more to the point is I don't have to code it. I don't have to write it all in Python myself. I can use Itential Automation Platform to do that logic for me in a, <laughs> a way that's way easier for me to do as a network engineer not a developer. Exactly. We want you to use the right tool for the right job. And there's different aspects. You know, uh, we think about the landscape we have today, cloud networking, data center networking, SD-WAN and WAN, SASE services. Um, you know, we have a diversity of what is is considered networking today. So we definitely feel like, how do I bring all those things together? And you did catch up on the word I used there, product. Um, you know, this is maybe a, a bigger idea as we get into platform engineering, which I've heard you guys talk about um, on day two cloud. And really the idea is instead of waiting for these requests to come in and trying to standardize the data and standardize the implementation on the backside, what if I actually published a product to my end users? And when people want to modify that product, I enhance that product over time. When we talk about self-serve, if you take it kind of to the next level, it's really having kind of a product management mindset to what I'm offering to my end users, um, rather than getting a, a variety of changes to, you know, if you just offer a VLAN or a QA network, I'm assuming, Ethan, you're going to get all sorts of requests for what about this and I need that. You know, you need to think about, do I augment my QA network as a product? Do I add features to it so that future requests can can consume that product so I'm not building bespoke one-offs? Well, you mentioned like things like firewalls and maybe I need a load balancer and maybe I don't and, you know, and, and so on. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Well, the product is a different way to think about it because you end up having to standardize your network offerings and package them in a way that makes them very consumable as opposed to making everything a snowflake. You're going down this road of standardization, offering standard products that your consumers in your organization can can consume, and then presenting them in a very easily consumable way where they're not at the CLI doing anything. They're, they're a dev, they got an API, they know how to consume that. If they're more of the help desk style user, they got a form, they can go in and they can consume the service that way. I love that it takes me out of the loop of having to build all these things by hand, which is always really time consuming. Even if you get good at it and you kind of have your own internal mental model of how to do it, it's always tedious. And so just you know, automating that, letting the end user just do that and me maybe getting a report once a week on you know network consumption and how things are is uh, that's great. I can focus on capacity planning and design and you know what I need to spend during the next quarter to keep up with demand and and things like that and, and much less on building VLANs. I don't want to build any more VLANs, Chris. <laughs> but Chris, I'm curious, like if you're proposing this productization model, it seems inevitable to me that you're going to run into the case where every product you offer becomes a snowflake because this application group needs this set of specific requirements. That application group wants these kind of performance. Uh, this application group is using data that requires this kind of compliance or security checks and so on. It seems inevitable that it's going to be like, well, yeah, we love the, the base model, but we need this a special package on top. Can you build that? And how does that then fit into the whole product and automation model? 
this is key to how we think about solving these problems in the sense that we have not been providing our end users a strong menu, if I can call it that, right? Mm -hmm. We've laid out a list of capabilities. If you think about a restaurant, right, we've just given them all the ingredients. We didn't tell them like what meals they could buy. Here's some meat, here's a grill, here's some veggies, you figure it out. So I think by not offering or not having a menu of products, we have end users, to your point, that think they might know what they want. They ask it of us. And then if you follow a lot of the discussions around this, we have to standardize the network. We have to get off the CLI. We have to do all these things for automation, Drew, but we're not controlling the input of the requests, mm -hmm. right? So because the inputs you know, have a long tail of change, we can't constrain the problem. Therefore, the automation sometimes can be overwhelming in the sense that I have to build an automation that can build you know, back to maybe the the metaphor of any any menu item you could invent um, out of ingredients. So I think if we can have a stronger idea of what our users want, and you know this maybe does require us to go talk to them. <laughs> um, if I can understand what they want, then we can focus on the product around the attributes that they want, and then understanding what enhancements they need to that product. I mean, you know, maybe your company is dipping into AI, and there are certain attributes of connectivity that those workloads are going to demand. And we need to take that into consideration and build the products so they can consume them dynamically. While it might sound difficult, I think the opposite that we've been going down, trying to deal with the complexity kind of at the at the implementation level has really led us to the point where it's, it's, it's sometimes a very difficult problem to get your arms wrapped around. Chris, this has been one of those great discussions that's mind expanding and uh, it makes you rethink how you've been doing network operations, this vision of what could be. The next question then is how do I test drive uh, automation platform? I'm assuming that's a thing that I can do. Yeah, so we've put everything um, on a landing page, itential.com slash packet pushers. But like I, I mentioned it earlier, uh, IEP's delivered as a SaaS a platform, and we've worked really hard. I think we have 14 different workshops out there now, everything from Panorama Automation, ServiceNow, Port Turnup, as we talked about earlier, you know, Load Balancer VIPs with F5. So we have we have a lab that it's hooked up to. So those 14 workshops are are out there and available for anybody to test drive, as well as all the documentation. Everything can be driven directly from that Packet Pushers landing page. Okay, attentional.com slash Packet Pushers. And then, Chris, for folks that are maybe a little intimidated as we've gotten into things like you know service catalogs and, and productizing network automation and so on, there are a bunch of quick wins we can get with Attentional out of the box, right? Exactly. Those those workshops, I think they might take 30 minutes to an hour each. Um, so it's preloaded with a script. Click here, type that. Click here, type that. You know, validation. You get the experience without having to, to learn the platform. It really drives you through it. It is a live platform connected to real network elements. So we've really tried to balance that ease of use, but also give you kind of the real experience. Because ultimately, I don't think there's a lot of listeners questioning whether we can run a show command on a Cisco router. It's really like, how easy is it to use and how can I operationalize it? So we've really tried to focus the experience on that. Great. Again, itential.com slash packet pushes if you want to check that out. And Chris, Itential is going to be at the Network Automation Forum's AutoCon Zero event, yeah? Yep. We'll be at the Net DevOps show in October, and we'll also see you at the Network Automation Forum. Um, we're really excited about these events because they're they're dedicated to network automation. I think a lot of times network automation's bolted on to, to some other shows, uh, which is great. But seeing dedicated group of folks all focused on kind of how we progress um, operationalize the infrastructure is something we're we're super excited about. So yeah, we're a sponsor and anything we can do to help move these ideas forward, we're 
we're supporting as best we can. Great stuff. If you haven't heard about Network Automation Forum's AutoCon Zero event that's happening November 13th and 14th, 2023 in Denver, Colorado, networkautomation.forum. You can register for that. We hope to see you there. Drew and I are both going to be there as a media partner of the event. We'll be around at the show and recording with different folks and so on, and would love to meet you if you're going to be there. If you want to follow Itential on social media, they're on X at Itential. And our thanks to Chris Wade, founder and CTO at Itential, for spending the time with us today. Chris has been working with a lot of Itential customers, as you heard him talking about, and he does understand the challenges they are going through as they work to automate their networks. And so we love conversations like this because they're insightful. We hope you did find them helpful. And our thanks again to Itential for sponsoring today's Heavy Networking. If you visit the Itential website, talk to any of their team at an event, or take their product out for a test drive, please do let them know that you heard about them on Packet Pushers. And thanks for listening all the way to the end here. We do appreciate it. If you want even more Packet Pushers, visit PacketPushers.net for all of our resources, including many other podcast series, our technical blog, industry news, our Slack group, newsletters, and more. It's all free to you, no login required, and designed for your professional career development. Last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.